This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to the Prospect Podcast. Took a little bit of a break during Combine Week because it's just a hectic time on the NFL calendar, especially for me. Um, did a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio spots. Thank you for any and all of you that listened um, to any of those appearances that I did on um, a lot of shows over the past week. And I appreciate all the hosts for having me on the podcast while I was writing um, my analysis of everything that transpired at the Combine. So took a break last week with the podcast, posting this later in the week, um, had to do a lot of assessment of the combine as a whole. Today's podcast is going to focus in a little bit on the combine and really focus on um, four top prospects that I believe we should be a little bit concerned about, especially relative to the expectations for these players after what we saw from them at the combine. It's an, it's This is kind of like a a supplement to an article that I wrote uh, last night and this morning. It was published on CBSSports.com. Why poor combine is concerning for Derek Brown and other notable prospects. You can find it on CBSSports.com right now. You can just really Google CBS Sports and my name, Chris Trapasso, and you will be able to get to my writer profile and be able to see this article on CBSSports.com. But to just kind of add some layers to it and unpack this article a little bit, um, any of these four players I'm going to talk about and that are listed in the article, of course, not saying I think are going to automatically bust. I think they're going to be terrible prospects. But based on the expectations, and all four of these prospects had legitimate first-round buzz at varying degrees, and they had varying degrees of underwhelming combine performances. Um, The first guy I'll start with, Derek Brown. Um, He's huge. He's 6'5". He's 326. The power is... Very, very easy to see. It was noticeable in 2018, um, very noticeable this past year. His bull rush, I think, is the strongest of any defensive lineman in this draft class. 6'5", 326, runs 4'5", in the 40, pretty good time, especially considering um, how big he is and just how thick. Um, His vertical, 27 inches. His broad jump, 108 inches. And then his three-cone, 8.22, which is really, really bad. Um, So 
it's almost as oh and also his short shuttle 4.79 that's in the 18th percentile um, among defensive tackles over the past 21 years at the combine all I'm saying with him essentially and I've seen a lot of Indomitian Sioux comparisons um, I, I don't think they're not even remotely in the same atmosphere when it comes to athleticism um, and Dominican Sue was a little smaller, 6'4", 307 at the 2010 combine. He had a 35-inch vertical, 35-and-a-half-inch vertical. Don't want to sell him short on that. Um, compared to Derek Brown's 27-inch vertical. Actually had a lower or a shorter broad jump, only 105 inches, compared to Derek Brown's 108 inches. Um, but his short shuttle was 4.44, considerably faster um, than Derek Brown's 4.79. So I think just right there, and, and, and that's comparing Derrick Brown to arguably the best defensive tackle of like 2010 to 2016 or 2017 in Sue, who's a power player too. I mean, at Nebraska, his film was unreal. I, but I think it, it was a little bit of an indicator, even if you're not thinking that he's the next Indomitian Sioux, there's this thought that he's going to go in the top five or top 10. Um, actually, maybe not top five anymore, but there was some hype definitely going into the college football season that he was a top five pick and he didn't have a, a bad year on paper. He actually got better as a pass rusher, but his combine just across the board showed that he's not that twitchy of an athlete to win just with pure burst and acceleration through a gap. So that's a problem initially. And you see him on film, you see the power, you see the bull rush. There's just not a lot of pass rushing moves there. He's great at beating blocks when he's stationary or when he needs to go laterally. Um, and he has a huge tackling radius at 6'5". Doesn't miss tackles. I don't think I saw him miss a tackle on film in the run game. But when it comes to attacking up the field with something other than a bull rush, I just don't believe that he has the explosion and the ability to sustain speed and if he does need to change directions in any way he just doesn't have what we have seen from normal uh, high quality interior pass rushers in the NFL do I think he's going to be out of the league in two years no I think he's going to be I think he's more in the Marcel Darius range. I saw Mike Renner from PFF um, and John Ledyard from uh, Pewter Report have an Akeem Hicks comparison for Derek Brown. I think that makes a lot of sense. They're both towering players. They play a little bit high. They're super powerful. They're a little inconsistent. They can completely take over a game. Then they can, for two games, be off the stat sheet. Um, I think Derek Brown will be a little bit more consistent than Akeem Hicks has been um, in the NFL. But we've seen, I mean, in Chicago, Hicks has been just a complete road grader, like a wrecking ball on the inside. But again, relative to the immense hype for Derrick Brown, if you tweet anything about Derrick Brown going outside of the top 10 or top 15, I mean, you will get a lot of people complaining and saying that there's no way that will happen. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm not talking about that, but I think um, just in a few years, we're going to say, okay, solid player. He's going to be in the league for 10 years. He might play on a couple teams. No team's ever going to be mad that he's on the team, but I don't think there's ever going to be a team that is ecstatic about what he does as a pass rusher. And if you're picking a defensive tackle that early in the draft, you don't just do it for highlight plays against the run. You need to make a huge impact as a pass rusher. And I just don't think that Derrick Brown has that type of ability. Next guy, LaVisca Chenault, wrote about him as well. It's a little bit blurry with him um, because he ran 4.58 after a few weeks before the combine saying that he had like a groin injury and he was going to need surgery. Um 
so that's all he did at the combine too. So I don't know if he felt healthy enough to run the 40. Um, I don't know why he didn't do anything else. I mean, usually if there is someone that is kind of coming back from an injury, they'll, they'll maybe do the, the, the vertical and the broad jump. He's 6'1 and 227. I mean, he is a running back. I think he's okay at running routes. You see some good ball tracking down the field. Um, but there was some talk that he was going to run in the 4-4s. Four um, I mean, and, and maybe he would be closer to the 4-4 four four range had he been 100%. But, I mean, with how many prospects near that are in the first-round range that we saw decide not to run, um, I'm surprised that Chenault and his agent were like, yeah, go ahead, run. He ran 4-5-8. That's just Pretty, pretty slowly, there's been, and I wrote this in the article, since 2016 wide receivers, 220 pounds or heavier, and again, Chanel is 6'1 and 227, so 16 wide receivers, 220 pounds or heavier in the last 20 years, have been picked in the first round. Of that group, only two wide receivers, Plaxico Burris all the way back in 2000, and Calvin Benjamin um, ran slower than Chenault's 4.56. Burris ran 4.59. He was gigantic. Calvin Benjamin, also gigantic, ran 4.61. So to me, if you're looking at where is LaVisca Chenault going to be drafted when you factor in the injury history, he's not super polished as a route runner. He's not a crazy high point contested catch guy. And then you throw in the 4.58, um, signs are pointing to him going in round two. I think he could be there later in the first round. There could be a team that medically clears him, or a few teams, but a team that, that clears him uh, medically before the draft and is okay with the 4-5-8 um, and just loves what they see from him or what they had seen from him over the past two years at, at Colorado. I think he does have the ability to be an elite yards after the catch receiver, and that's not just running with the football after he catches a deep ball. Um, that's you know, contact balance, power through tackles. Um, I'm a little concerned, and I wrote about this as well. You can see it in the article, um, that I'm never someone to like really label someone injury-prone, a prospect, or predict an injury but I remember back in 2015, like I had Todd Gurley, like not as my running back one. I think my running back number four or five that year, because he was coming off the knee injury and his game was so predicated, not just on explosion, which was certainly there, and it and it has been there in Los Angeles with the Rams, but it was so predicated on like seeking out contact and like lowering his head and running through guys. His body just took an absolute beating. Chenault is kind of in that same mold. Like defenders seem to bounce off him and he has great contact balance. Like I said, his twitchiness for how big he is at 6'1", 227 is outstanding. But with lower body injuries, ankle um, this groin injury, I just don't know if his body is going to be able to hold up with that playing style. It's not like a normal receiver where going to take a few hits a game. I mean, to tap into everything that Chanel can do and for him to reach his maximum potential in the NFL, he's going to be getting bumped on almost every time he touches the football. And you're going to use him on jet sweeps. You're going to use him as a wild card, wildcat quarterback. You are going to use him on end arounds. Um, throw him a ton of screens, like he early on in the process, and it wasn't just because of the dreadlocks and wearing number two. A lot of people were comparing him to Sammy Watkins. That's kind of my comparison for him. He's bigger than Watkins. He's more compact, but how Colorado used him compared to how Clemson used Watkins, um, that's just the kind of player I see. Watkins, strangely, when he was came to Buffalo, 
was not really um, used as that gadget guy. Like the Bills just kind of threw him into the fire and said, you're going to run a normal route tree. And as a rookie, he was good second. And then he dealt with injuries. He was um, kind of got banged up a little bit. I don't obviously don't know if that's going to happen with Chanel, but I'm a little bit more concerned about his injury history along with the four, five, eight um, than I would be for more for more refined or more polished wide receivers that aren't going to be used or don't specialize in that gadget type of role. Next guy, Cam Dantzler uh, from Mississippi State, the cornerback. A lot of buzz about him being like a late first-rounder pre-draft. He had an amazing game against LSU. Jamar Chase um, and Joe Burrow really had problems completing deep balls against him when they did not have any problems doing that against anyone else they faced in 2019. He has, Cam Dantzler, has probably the most unique quarter cornerback body that I ever remember scouting. He's 6'2", 188 pounds. His arms are under 31 inches. And like some teams like the Seahawks, like have a threshold of 32 inches. Like if you're above 31, you have pretty good length with your arms. If you're like below 31, we're talking like slot cornerbacks. Some of them have 29 inch arms, maybe 30 inches. His are under 31 inches at 6'2 and 188 pounds. Then he ran 464 and only had a 34 inch vertical. So looking back at some history, um, he's pretty much bound to go in the third round, which would be a pretty precipitous fall for him that like, Again, I, I heard and read a lot, and even in Indianapolis before the cornerbacks worked out, there was like this guy, you know, was able to hold up in the SEC. He was kind of skinny. He played from his freshman season on, three-year starter on a pretty on some you know pretty good defenses, held up against that LSU defense. Didn't really ever get super torched down the field. I think though, I don't know if I saw four six four, which is very slow for a cornerback in the NFL. I did see some speed deficiency, and he's very grabby, very physical. If he's not able to get away with that and he gets a reputation with like a lot of rookies do of being overly grabby and gets a lot of penalties, I think that could maybe – I don't know if it's going to make him more timid, but it will make him less effective. Um, Then I think he's going to run into a lot of problems. And ironically, um, the only cornerback um, that ran slower than 4-6-0 picked in the second round – over the last 20 years, so taller than 6'1", sorry, I didn't say that initially, 26 cornerbacks over 6'1", since 2000, 26 cornerbacks taller than 6'1", since 2000, so the last 20 years, have been picked in the second round. The only one of those 26 tall cornerbacks picked in the second round since 2000 to run slower than 4.60 is, ironically, a Mississippi State alumni, Jonathan Banks, he ran 4.61. And I think that Cam Dantzler has a pretty good comparison to Jonathan Banks. He was taller. He was lanky. He was physical. He was productive in the SEC. Um, went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and kind of flamed out relatively quickly because teams were just able to stretch him vertically and did not have the recovery speed. Um, it's hard for rookies to come in and just be amazing in press coverage. I think Dancer will win some reps at the line of scrimmage, but I don't think he's going to dominate instantly. I wouldn't call him a true like lockdown press man cornerback right away. Um, so at that point, the recovery speed just isn't there. He's probably going to go in the third round. If he w- goes in the second, he would be the second cornerback to run that slow of a time in the last 20 years at that height. Um, 
out of 27 of them that have been that would have been uh, drafted in the second round. Um, none in the first round for sure that are that tall and that ran that slowly. So it it would would be kind of a surprise, a, a big surprise if Cam Dantzler goes in the second round. So if you really like him in the third round or fourth round, I think that would actually probably make more sense for him. That's kind of where I have him. Uh, then you could probably get him there, and I think that would be the correct value, and you hope that he's able to improve in press. Maybe he's able to get a little bit faster um, in the NFL, which I think some cornerbacks do. I mean, we talked about offensive linemen, getting stronger defensive linemen. I, I think you could maybe get a little bit faster in the NFL. But four six four is a slow time. I'm concerned about him um, facing just the vertical route tree in the NFL. Last guy, the most uh, touted, highly touted prospect, Jerry Judy. Um, and I wrote in his subheading on CBSSports.com in this article, that he's still inside my top 10 prospects, but when I recalibrated my grades post-combine, um, I probably spent the longest time, <clears throat> excuse me, and initially recalibrated the wide receiver group. That was the class that I followed the, the, the closest this year. I did wide receiver watch every single week at cbssports.com. So I was really tuned into that wide receiver class like from August on and, and, and really in, in the summer, knowing how hyped it was um, and then just seeing throughout the season how it almost exceeded expectations and more guys popped on the radar. Um, and when I recalibrated, uh, T. Higgins remained my wide receiver number one and I talked about that on PFF's two-for-one drafts today. You can check that out with Mike Renner and Austin Gale. Um, and just behind him by a hundredth of a percent or of a point um, was C.D. Lamb. Then there's like four or five guys, Tristan Wirfs, Isaiah Simmons, like elite, elite prospects. And then I have Jerry Judy at number nine. And here's the reason why. I, at 6'1 and 193, to run 4.45 is fast. It's At that size profile, it's not like insane. Um, 35 inch vertical is not ridiculous. 120 inch broad jump is not very good. And then that short shuttle four, five, three short shuttle is like DK Metcalf type slow. So I think with Jerry Judy, he's at Alabama. He won the Bolitnikoff as a sophomore was a top recruit. There was just, he had the makings of having a lot of buzz and a lot of what he did in college was made him deserve all the buzz that he's gotten. I've seen a lot of Odell Beckham comparisons. I've seen like Amari Cooper. I haven't really seen a lot of Julio Jones comparisons because he's smaller, but I've seen a few like a more slender Julio Jones. I think he's going to come in like all those players and just be a stud from day one in the NFL, like be a top 10 receiver instantly. Um, I think he's exactly like Adam Thielen and his combine compared to Adam Thielen's pro day um, are almost identical. That Adam Thielen was 6'1", 192, um, and you look across the board. Judy ran 4'4", 5. Thielen ran 4'4", 9. Their verticals, an inch different. Broad jump, both 120. Adam Thielen ran a 4'4", 9 short shuttle. Jerry Judy ran 4'5", 3. So Adam Thielen's short shuttle was not very good. They're both very crafty route salesmen. They, they will get open, and I don't think... Whatever team that picks Jerry Judy, if if you can tell them you're going to get Adam Thielen 2.0, a younger version of Adam Thielen, I don't think a team will be mad about that. But to and Adam Thielen is you know a top ten, top fifteen receiver at times for sure. He's and he's been limited with Case Keenum and with Kirk Cousins not really being these quarterbacks that want to stretch the field. But 
I think he's more of a possession, very, very reliable, good possession target underneath intermediate range target. I think that's where we're kind of at with Jerry Judy. I mean, you see his cutting ability after the catch too, and it, it looks flashy. It looks violent, like his whole body, like his knees kind of buckle. He can really change directions quickly. I don't think, especially considering his combine, that he is uh, someone that is going to just instantly make NFL cornerbacks miss in space. You look at a lot of the wide receivers that are the best at avoided missed tackles, um, and those are the bigger bodies that have good contact balance. A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Jarvis Landry. Um, those are like there's not really this. I mean, there's an idea that a smaller, skinnier guy with good cutting ability can just like make NFL defensive backs whiff in space, like routinely. And I don't really think I can't really think of a guy that's like that. And like Odell Beckham um, was light years ahead in almost every drill um, ahead of Jerry Judy. He was 5'11", 198, a lot more compact. And his route running is outstanding, but a big element of why Odell Beckham has become a superstar is his gigantic hands, his huge catch radius, awesome ball skills. That's really not Judy's game. You see a lot of balls that he doesn't really go after when he's you know deep down the field he's he feels the safety coming on he's not a contested catch guy he's a speed separator type wide receiver so again I really like Jerry Judy I think he's one of the best most polished receiving prospects but at the same time similar to Derek Brown I think they're both going to be in the league for a long time and I think the team that picks him Going into his third or fourth season, we'll be happy that they did so. But I don't think we're getting Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, uh, Amari Cooper, instant superstar that can do it all. Because I think Jerry Judy is a little bit limited with his contested catchability, with his um, ability to force missed tackles. And in the article, I, I list that he was actually had a lower rate of force missed tackles per catch um, than T. Higgins. He was like... Like same as T. Higgins, um, way lower uh, than a few other top wide receivers. I mean, C.D. Lamb was on in another planet, but in that offense in the Big Twelve, I think that kind of factored in. Brian Edwards from South Carolina had a slightly better rate. No one's really kind of talking about him as this guy that's very elusive that will create a lot of for the catch. Um, so. With Jerry Judy, you don't have a contested catch specialist. I don't think he's going to be a crazy missed, force missed tackles guy, but he is going to get open. But he is, or and he is going to, uh, you know, stretch the field. He runs a four four five. Teams are going to be worried about that. He's going to be able to take the lid off the defense and and will hit some big plays like it like. Adam Thielen has in Minnesota. Is that where Adam Thielen consistently thrives though? No, he knows how to get open from five to 15 yards. I think that's where Jerry Judy ultimately won most of the time in 2019 and where he will win in the NFL throughout his career. So go to NF, or go to cbssports.com uh, on the NFL page or just search my name, Chris Trapasso, on Google with CBS Sports, you'll find my archive. It's the top article up there. Um, give it a look. Certainly feel free to comment. Um, I'm not doing this for any uh, reason for hot, for you know clickbait or anything like that. It's, I really think Derek Brown, LaVisca Chanel, Cam Dantzler, and Jerry Judy we need to kind of be a little concerned or have some warning signs up about these prospects. Not necessarily where they'll get picked, maybe outside of Dantzler and Chenault, but for all of them, 
tone down the expectations and just go in with the correct expectations into the draft and following them in their NFL careers. All right, that'll do it for me today. Uh, I'm Chris Paso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.